0: Amen. But uh, today, I hope that you have your Bible with you, and if you don't have it with you, you have it on your phone. I think it's always important to have the Word of God with you and to study it and to learn it. Um, uh, Today, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and as we are continuing the book of 2 Samuel, this is a very important chapter. It's one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible because literally, it teaches about God's promises, about God's covenant, about God's plan and purpose for saving you and I. Um, and this week, as we start, we're going to go very slow. I'm hopefully going to preach shorter sermons uh, and more of them over the next few months, uh, weeks. But uh, uh, today I want to talk to you about what does God want for us? And that could be as a church. Uh, today that might be for you as a family. But really today I want to focus in on us as individuals. What does God want from me. Now you say, Jake, that's not a question that I ever ask myself. Well, that is a big problem because today I want you to know something. If you know the Lord as your Savior, and I'm not talking about being a church member, being a church attender, being a religious person. I'm talking today if you are born again, if you have experienced the new birth and the Spirit of God lives within you, And the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. You might go days where you act like you don't recognize Him, or you might be so busy where you don't give Him as much thought as you should. But if the Spirit of God lives within you, there is no mistaking who you belong to. There's not one of those things where you wake up and you think, well, I just don't know. Maybe I'm not saved today. I am telling you, when the Spirit of God takes residence in you, it is something you never forget and you know that you never forget lose. He is with you, leading you, guiding you, directing you, and convicting you of the sin in your life. And so this morning, if you're saying, Jake, what God wants for me is not on my radar, today I want to invite you to come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. You need him. You need him, as Monty just sang. But this morning, if you're here, and you are saved, and you are born again, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you belong to the Lord, that question should be really what drives you. What does God want for me? What does God want of me? Who does God want me to be? Where does God want me to go? What does God want me to do? Because truly, as we get to the end of our life, the only question that matters is have we been faithful? Literally, Jesus tells us that you will hear one of two things. Depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant. And today, you might not think that that's going to happen anytime soon, that you might think that you have many, many years, but I can tell you as a pastor, and a pastor who does a lot of funerals, and who is going to be a part of three of them this week, it is something that consumes me and the fact that I am a pastor and I have drugged my kids to every funeral home and hospital and nursing home, death is a topic that is up, brought up at our house a lot. Probably more than is normal by my children, but it's just something they have come to grasp with. But this morning I want you to know that tomorrow is not promised for any of us. And I ask you that question today because if someone was getting ready to preach your funeral... What would be said about you? I tell this story a lot, and I probably shouldn't, but that's just normal for me. I recently did a funeral, and it was a gravesite only, and as I met with the family, I did not know them, did not know anyone about, I didn't know anything about them, and so I got, spent a few minutes talking to the family member, getting some information so that I could talk a little bit about the person, that I, could, that I could relate with them a little bit. And so I did that for just a few moments at the funeral. And as I step aside, uh, the child proceeds to talk about how terrible her father was and all the terrible things that he had done. And as I'm standing there by the funeral director, I'm going, oh, I don't know what to do here. I've never been a part of something like this. And in my mind, all I could think of was, boy, I'm glad I didn't get up there and sugarcoat it. Oh, what a wonderful father he was. What a wonderful husband he was. What a wonderful man he was. And then the person who known him get up and say, Whoo! That was terrible. And friends, even though that's the first time I've ever heard that audibly said at a funeral. I can tell you by the looks on people's faces that as I have been preaching a funeral, people have been going, I'm not sure that's the same person laying there that lived with me. And this morning I ask you that question because the goal of our life is to be faithful. And so David at this point in 2 Samuel chapter 7 has finally seen all of the blessings that he was hoping for victories, and he's at a place of being established. The Ark of the Covenant is in Jerusalem. All things are as they should be. And this morning we see that once he has his blessings, he begins to think, what does God want from me next? And so if you would stand with me as we read verses 1 through 6 of Second Samuel chapter 7. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies, all around. That the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Pray with me. Father, today we come asking for your blessings, asking for your favor, God asking for your provisions this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would be with the speaker of the hour, God, that you would forgive me, God, that you would work and move through your words and through your spirit. God, I pray today that you would help us focus on you and what you would have for each and every one of us. And God, I just ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. And so David has everything. David has a house that he did not build that the king of Tyre had had built and provided the labor. David had victory from his enemies that he did not win, that God had fought for him. And so here he is thinking, what comes next in my life? And many of you today think about that as a positive. Man, where God has blessed us, God has been good to us. What is next? I'm looking forward to what comes next. Some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, I'm terrified of what comes next. Change is awful. I literally have a person who I live with who is not my wife, but one of my children who recently said this week, Dad, I want nothing to change at church. I said, Dear, where are we going to put new people? How are we going to add Sunday school classes? What are we going to do? And she literally said, They could go somewhere else! (laughs) And I won't tell you which one of my children that is because I'm not going to be a pastor that publicly and individually humiliates his children. And as we had this conversation the whole way home, I'm going, literally, I have spent the last 10 years working myself, missing everything that you have for my very own child to go, which is full enough, they can go somewhere else. But friends, I don't like change either. Change terrifies me. But friends, I ask you this question, what comes next for you? What is next in your growth in the Lord Jesus Christ? What's next for you as a family? Maybe today you're looking down some der- terribly difficult decisions about your health and your finances. And so, what comes next is overwhelming. But the first thing I want to show you today, if you're going to really be who God wants you to be and be where God wants you to be and not let fear and anxiety and doubt destroy you, it's this. You have to trust that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You have to believe that God has a purpose. In a plan for your life. Look what it says here in verse 1 and 2. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar. Why, the ark of God remains in a tent. David says, I've got this beautiful palace. Man, I've got everything, but yet the ark of God is out there in a tent. This is David saying, I want what God wants. I want to do something for God because how good God has been to me. I want to be a blessing to God because God has given me everything I need, everything I want. I couldn't ask for anything more, but yet here I am in this beautiful palace and everything that I need. But yet, there is the ark. The most important thing in Israel out there in a tent. Now, this morning, I ask you that because sometimes we make decisions because what God wants, but sometimes we make difficult decisions and decisions based on boredom. You see, David had been living on the run. He had been fighting battles, and he finally has peace. And in that moment of peace, David has to do what? Be doing something. And this morning, there are some of you that are like that. Some of you in the negative, you're always looking for a battle. You're always looking for a fight. You're always looking for something to stir the pot, something to keep you relevant. Maybe you've got a rescue complex, right? I've got to swoop in and save everybody. You can't just enjoy peace. Maybe today some of you struggle with your identity. Well, my identity is what I can accomplish, what I can achieve. And so I've won this victory. What is next to conquer? And sometimes when God gives you a season of rest, you need to do one thing and one thing only. Rest. Sometimes when God has gotten you through the battles and the victories and the discouragements and the challenges that life throws at you, you need to just stop and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done for me. Psalm 32 describes it like this and what we should look for coming next in our relationship with God. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God will teach you if you let him. God will show you if you let him. Most of us are so busy trying to do that we will not stop and listen Most of us are so busy trying to accomplish, and we have all these things to do. We've got practices, we've got work, we've got family, we've got all these commitments, and we're pulled in so many different directions, and we ask ourselves, am I doing what God has asked me to do? Am I being who God wants me to be? What should I be doing? Who should I be? How should I be doing it? And sometimes God just wants us to say, sit down and listen. Take a season of prayer. Take a season of fasting. You say, well, Jake, things are just too crazy. Things are just too busy. Things are just too overwhelming. Then, friends, well, I can tell you today, if you won't hear from God today, you will wake up one day in a bigger mess saying, I wish I would have fixed it then. It's kind of like when the check engine light comes on in your car. I drive vehicles that they stay on all the time, all right? And so I literally wouldn't know if something literally was wrong with my car unless I take it to Ronnie at or and Tom and they're like, this is bad. I just drive with the light on all the time. And most of you are living your life that way with the check engine light on. God's trying to get your attention You're drifting from me. You're not praying like you used to. You're not witnessing like you used to. You're not celebrating the family that God gives you like you used to. You're not committed to the things of God like you used to. And you say, Jake, but I'm just too busy. I've got too much to accomplish. One day, the, the time that is caused to repair that will be much greater than if you would have just dealt with it today. As a pastor, I have to ask myself that about our church about my own family, about my own life. Matthew 16 verse 18 talks about Jesus building His church. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There are many days where I tell myself, God, if I don't do this at church, or if I don't get this accomplished, or if we don't do this, and God has to remind me, Jake, I will build my church. Not you, not the music, Not all this other stuff. Jesus says, I will build my church. Will you join me? Will you be a part of what I am building? Or will you compete with me? Many times as a pastor, I can undermine what God is trying to do. Many times as a church, God can be blessing and working and moving. But yet we can say we want something different. And so today, whether it's you as an individual, you as a family, or we as a church, we have to trust That God has a plan and a purpose for our life. That's what David did. David recognized that God had gave him all of this. Second thing I want to show you is this. Not all well-meaning advice is God's advice. Not all well-meaning advice is God's advice. Nathan was the prophet. He was the messenger of God. He was the one who went to God and found out the purpose and direction of what was to go on. And then he was to tell David and the people what God had said. And in verse 3, Nathan replies to King David. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Now, Nathan has a pretty good understanding here that God has given David victory over everyone. David is literally living large. If you notice here, he's not referred to as God's servant. He's not referred to just as David. He is referred to every time as king. And this is important because sometimes when God gives us victories and when God blesses us, we go from being the one who is being blessed to think we are the grand poobah, that it all revolves around us. That we're in charge. That we make the decisions. That we are the one that the sun and the stars and, and the earth revolve around. But what we see here is Nathan says, Sure, God has been with you through all of it. Whatever you want, you do. Whatever, whatever God has laid on your heart, that's what God wants. And friends, this morning the greatest advice I can give you is this. Stop giving so much advice. And two, stop listening. Stop listening to so much advice. I think that is the greatest problem I see in the Christian church today is we refuse to read the Bible, but we love to read books about the Bible. We don't want to do Bible study together. We want to do someone else's study of the Bible. And friends, today you need to know something. You need to be studying the Word of God with the Spirit leading you, guiding you, and directing you. I love people like Adrian Rogers and W.A. Criswell and David Jeremiah and John Hagee and all these other people. They're wonderful. They're a blessing. But I am telling you there is no greater teacher than the Holy Spirit. There is no greater fellowship than you and the Word of God and the study of God's Word or you and one other person as you begin to dig into God's Word and you begin to share, well, this is what it means to me and this is what it really means and, and this is how it is actually applied and this is what it can do for my life the church at 10 mile just like the church of america is dying on the vine because we have refused to eat what the master has given us his word we listen to songs about his word we listen to people talk about his word We, we we put bible verses on our bathroom wall about his word but what we need to do is get along with god and say god i want to hear from you You say, well, Jake, I just get advice from church people. I just get advice from people that I trust. Look up here. They are not infallible. One of the greatest examples of this comes from the book of Job. If you remember the book of Job, Job had went through so much. And Job had some friends, real winners, real blessings. And they come to him and begin to give him advice. And for like 30 chapters, they give Job advice. And that advice, if you remember, was always, well, God wants this for you, Job. God wants that. God does this. God says that. This is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. And eventually God says, you're wrong. The advice you've been getting is wrong. These men are not speaking for me. They're not speaking of me. They are speaking of their own desires and own purposes and own plans. And listen to what Job says in Job chapter 6, verse 24. Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct what I say and treat my desperate words as wind? You would even cast lots for the fatherless and barter away your friend. Today, I want you to know that you should have godly friends and godly counsel. The Bible says that. But friends, you ought to be very careful that you're not speaking what you think is God's will, but what really is God's purpose and plan for someone's life. Nathan says, David, whatever God has laid on your heart, you just do it because God has been with you. Some of you will take advice from people that have no more of the Spirit of God in them than that flower right there. Some of you will take spiritual advice from people that know God but have ulterior motives. I've pastored long enough to see people coming that have good ideas. And they have great plans. But boy, there is a sinister intent behind it. Now, pastor, I really think the church ought to have this ministry. Boy, I do too. Would you like to be a part of it? No, no, I I don't want any part of it. But boy, it'd be good for you to do. You know, that's not near as dangerous as when someone comes up but that's very, very spiritual or acts very spiritual and says, Pastor, I, I just think you're doing such a great job. Oh, Pastor, I just love it all. I really think that we ought to do this. Boy, that'd be great. And Pastor, I'd love to be in charge of it. Or Pastor, I'd love to recommend someone for you to be in charge of it. And what I know is they're trying to benefit themselves. They're doing it for whether it's a pride issue that they want to be in charge. Because, friends, if you won't clean the toilets, don't do the things that everybody celebrates. Be willing to serve when no one is looking and when everyone is looking. If the only time you and I show up is when the recognition is there, our heart's not where God wants it to be. And, friends, some people will give you advice in the good times. They'll be with you when the blessings are flowing. But friends, on those days where you need to hear hard truths, difficult decisions, they will be nowhere to be found. That's why the book of Philippians tells us these words in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about Peter when Jesus was being arrested. The, The right idea for us is someone is coming to take our friend. Someone is coming to take our master. Someone is coming to harm a person that we love. I have a sword, I'm going to defend him. And if you've read the story of the garden in the Bible, Peter takes off his sword, cuts off an ear. I mean, In my mind, that's exactly what I want. I want someone to defend me, someone to fight for me, stand, someone to stand up for me, not to betray me like Judas did. And Jesus said, no. That's not what God's purpose and plan is for me. And so friends, sometimes the most well-meaning people have no idea what God wants for your life. And you need to know that and believe that. The third and final thing this morning I want to show you is not only do you have to trust that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and you have to recognize that not all advice is God's advice. Third and finally, sometimes God says yes, no, or later. Sometimes God says yes, no, or later. but don't look what hap- miss what happens here in verse four. but that night God immediately comes and puts in his thoughts and opinions. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, "Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. And and God goes on, and we're not going to look at it today, and tells him, you're not building it for me. It's It's not your purpose. It's not your plan. But I will build a house out of your family. And he will build me a house. And so David doesn't get a no. David says, it's not for you. It's for someone else. But it's in your family. And this morning, I hope that you'll hear this. Because Nathan told David, do what you want. And God said, no. God said, no, you won't. And this morning, so many times we are guilty of doing whatever we feel. Or whatever we think. Or whatever our heart desires. But I want to challenge you this morning that the Bible says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And you can think that you are doing what God wants for God's reasons. And deep down, God knows that what you're doing is not because you love Him. And sometimes you and I have the best of intents and we ask for things. I've always asked God, God, no matter what you do at 10 Mile, no matter how you bless us and how you work, whether it's 50 people or 500 people or 1,000 people, God, do not let pride into my heart. Don't let it become, well, look what we have done. Look what we have accomplished. Because sometimes God tells you no because he knows that the blessings will cause you great pride. And sometimes God knows that those blessings that you're asking for would be your ruin and downfall. And so this morning, that's why the Bible says, if you will be faithful with a little, much will be given. And so this morning, my challenge to you is, as you ask what God has for you next and what God wants of you next to be found faithful today. I hear this a lot from from people, and, and I've even said it myself well, if God would just give me what I need, I would do X and Y for Him. If God would just give me more time, I would serve Him more. If God would just give me more money, I would give more. If God would just give me more time, we would do more. Or if God would just give us more people, we would do more ministry. Or if God would do this, we would do this. And what God really says is, if your heart's not right today, no matter what He gives you, it won't be heart right then that's why power corrupts if you've ever watched politics or you've ever watched people move up the corporate ladder and as they move they change or if you watch that person who grew up with nothing and they become financially successful they change you see the thing did not change him their heart was always that way they just didn't have an avenue to live it out and what God tells David is no And this morning I ask you this simple question. What has God told you no to lately? What has God told you you don't need that you really want? I know what I want. I want to keep a head full of hair. Might not seem like much to you, but vanity, vanity, vanity. But what I can tell you is I use more hair powder today than ever before. I've wanted God to heal people that didn't heal. I've wanted God to deliver people that he didn't deliver. I can't answer the whys on those moments. I can't even tell you that I always understand what he's doing. But I trust that he has a purpose and a plan. I don't know if hearing no is worse or hearing later is worse. But I know as a parent, when I tell my children later, it is much more miserable in our house than when I say no. When I say no in our house, it's an immediate reaction, right? It's a reaction that they usually throw a fit and then they get over it. It's like, no, but I cannot live without a drumstick. No, you can't have one. You've already had four today. No more drumstick for you. This is what happens when you eat multiple drumsticks a day. Don't do that to yourself. (laughs) Five minutes later, Oh, I just want to watch television. I want to go outside. It's just, it's instant and it's over. But if I tell them, you can have one later. You know what happens every five minutes. Can I have a drumstick? Five minutes later, can I have a drumstick? And you know what happens every time they ask? They just get more joyful, right? More agreeable. No, they do not wait patiently. But the Bible says those who wait patiently on the Lord. This morning, maybe God's trying to teach you patience. You say, well, I don't want to learn patience. You better. It's important. Maybe God's saying, I'm trying to make you into someone that you're not today because of what you're going to go through tomorrow. Maybe God's trying to teach you today to wait because you don't trust Him. Your faith is so shaky today that when you don't get what you want, it immediately is an opportunity for you to run from God. And God's trying to teach you and train you and mold you into who He wants you to be. And so David literally is going to hear from Nathan, you can't build it. And this morning I pray that you will hear this warning. One, if you are here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, Is your personal Savior. You need to know that God loves you. He loves you so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, to be buried, and to rise again because you are a sinner. No matter what the liberal media tells you or you have convinced yourself, you are a sinner. And you need forgiveness, you need a relationship with God, and that can only come through repenting of your sins calling upon the name of the Lord there is no other name among men by which we must be saved it is him and only him but today if you're here and you know him and you're saying Jake my life's going pretty good the way it is I've been two-faced for years and no one's found out I've been hiding this sin for decades and no one's found out Jake I've been living my life and I've been doing my thing and it's not been a problem Friends, that's because God is long-suffering, and God is merciful, and God is gracious. But friends, I want you to know that when you and I do not do things God's way, there is always a consequence. You say, well, Jake, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. I didn't say an eternal consequence. I said an earthly consequence. You say, well, Jake, I, I've been telling lies, and I never saw a, a consequence. Your children might inhabit that quality, and it might ruin their life. You say, well, Jake, I've been prideful my whole life, and and it's never been dealt with. Well, that pride that you are hiding might be a pride that your children embrace. I'm going to say this this morning, and it's not going to go well everywhere but here probably. There is a reason that the homosexual community has taken all of the things that God has and tried to corrupt them or celebrate them. The rainbow is God's promise to a world that He would never judge and destroy it totally again. It's a promise that God has and they embrace it that God will not judge us. Pride literally comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Pride will send you to hell when you reject Jesus Christ. But the month of June is called Pride Month. You say, Jake, you shouldn't pick on people. I'm not picking on people. I'm talking about the relevant issue of the day. And friends, this morning I ask you that because you say, "Well, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. It does because God has set the standard. God has established marriage. God has said, I want it done this way. Whether it's pornography, where it's adultery, whether it's homosexuality, no matter what it is, when it's done in a way that is not honoring to God, there will be consequences. But I can tell you there are great blessings in doing it God's way. There are great blessings in trusting God and seeking God and following Him. And so this morning, my challenge to you is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. This verse is one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. But I want to just show you what it means. Trust the Lord with all your heart. You've got to say, God, here I am. And I know that you have what's best for my life. Lean not on your own understanding. You have to be willing to say, God, I've got my own thoughts. I've got my own opinions. I've got my own way of doing things. And if you tell me you're a strong-willed leader, I'm going to tell you you struggle with pride. Because servants serve. And you've got to say, God, I trust you, and I'm willing to admit that I'm not right on everything. And then you have to admit, in all your ways, acknowledge him. God, I'm going to do it the way you told me to. And then he shall direct your paths. Then God makes the difference. You see, you have to do step one, then step two, then step three, and then God does his part. Now, I watch a lot of softball. We have five children playing softball right now. It's a lot. And it's kind of like this idea that, Coach, I want to be on the team, but I'm not going to play where you tell me to. I'm not going to do what you tell me to, but I want to play. I can promise you this simple thing, that when you become a team and you become a part of the team, you do what the coach tells you, the way the coach tells you, or you find yourself, what we like to call, at the end of the pine, down there as the water boy. And I'm not ca- talking like a cool Adam Sandler water boy. I'm talking like the other kind. Why? Because you have to do it the way that the person is in charge, wants you to, trusting that they know what is best for you. And in an earthly standpoint, we've seen people misuse that trust. We've seen people misuse that leadership, but that is why you are not to trust in man. You're not to trust in a church. You are to trust in the Lord. And out of that, God will do everything that you need because He is able. And so this morning, don't deny the victory that God wants to win in your life because of the sin and pride that you have in your heart today. God, I thank you so much for your many blessings. Lord, today you know my heart, and God, that I can be selfish, that I can be wicked. And so God, I just pray today that you would forgive me, that you would not allow my sin to grieve your spirit in this place. I pray today, Lord, that you would give people victory, that you'd give people freedom. God, that you would save the lost. God, that you would help us who know you to trust you and to follow you no matter what is coming. And so, God, I just today pray that you would work and move in this place for your glory. And God, if there's any pride and arrogance, Lord, in my heart that you would convict me, that you would deal with me. And God, that this truly would just be a celebration of what you can do and what you are doing. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise and the honor and glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.